Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Eleven. Despite a fitful sleep plagued with worries over Fennis, Viv eventually steered her thoughts to Hemington's parting comments about food. While she ruminated, Tandry blacked out the lines on the signboards mentioning free samples and limited supplies, and adjusted the menu while she was at it. When the regulars returned, plus a few new faces, Viv noted with pleasure that they paid for their drinks without complaint. Viv and Tandry shared a relieved glance and got down to business, enjoying the warm bustle behind the hissing machine. Cal stopped in again, too, obviously relieved there was no silence to fill with idle observations. He groused when Viv refused his copper, but hovered by the counter while he drank, nodding every once in a while as he watched them work. Remembering the idea she'd been toying with, Viv asked Tandry to handle brewing duties halfway through the rush. Tandry smoothly took up the orders, while Viv went to find the ratkin, tucked away in one of the back corner booths, feet swinging, eyes closed, meditating over his steaming mug. She slid in across from him, and his bright eyes opened to regard her warily. He was wearing the same apron she'd seen him in every morning, whitened liberally with flour. Up close, pale powder flecked the fine hairs on his arms and face as well. Hi there, I'm Viv. He nodded and slurped at his latte. Not too talkative? He shook his head. That's all right, but I wanted to ask you something. I noticed you're, she gestured at his apron. Well, the flower, and I wondered if you happened to know anything about baking. The ratkin stared at her, whiskers twitching, and gently set down his mug, then gave a slow, triple nod. You do? So I have something of an idea. I'm thinking what this place might need is some breads or something baked to eat. She squeezed an invisible loaf between her hands. Snacks, I guess. Not something I know much about, though. But I thought you, well, if you did know something about that, then... The ratkin raised a tentative paw to forestall her. Leaning forward over his drink, in a tiny, breathy voice, he said, Tomorrow. Tomorrow. He nodded again, eagerly, Viv thought. She didn't know whether he had to be on his way or needed a few hours to think, but despite her curiosity, she wasn't going to press the matter. She wrapped the table and stood. I'll look forward to it, Mr. He stared up at her and in a solemn whisper said, Thimble. Thimble, Viv agreed. Then she gave him a nod and returned to the counter. The afternoon again became a desert of inactivity. Hemington returned and purchased a drink, a pained expression on his face, and once more left it untouched. Viv wiped down tables in the empty dining area, gathering dirty mugs. Suddenly, Tandry's voice cut through the hush, her tone icy. What are you doing here? Tandry glared at a young man who leaned on the countertop, gazing back at her in an overly familiar way. His soft handsomeness hinted at money, and while he wasn't wearing the split robes Hemington wore, Viv saw one of the stag pins on his tailored shirt. Saw you through the window and just had to stop by, he replied. Haven't seen you in a while, Tandry. I'd almost think you were avoiding me. And you'd be right. 
Well, I'm only here as a customer, so we can call this an intervention of fate. You just said you saw me through the window. If fate intervenes, it'll be to turn you around and send you right back out. Now, don't be that way. A succubus like you, you can feel this, he gestured between them. This attraction, I know you can. Tandry looked stricken, and then her expression became deliberately neutral. Kellen, there is no attraction. There never has been. I think you should leave. But I haven't bought anything yet, he protested, a smile in his voice. I don't think we have anything you want, said Viv, approaching the front of the shop and looming, arms crossed. Kellen turned his attention to her, and his easy smile vanished, replaced by something sharper. I don't remember involving you in this conversation. Viv was mildly surprised he hadn't quailed at the sight of her. It's my shop said Viv evenly. I serve who I want, when I want, and I don't think I want to serve you. So, I'll ask you to leave. Kellen stared at her hard for a moment, a sneer developing. I don't guess you've met the Madrigal yet. At some point, everybody around here serves them, which means that sooner or later you're going to be paying your dues to me. Oh, so you're his errand boy. I thought that was the man with a very fine hat. He was about to retort when Amity emerged from behind Viv and strolled by with deadly grace. She settled beside Tandry and indifferently licked a massive paw. Kellen blinked, but recovered his sneer. Viv couldn't decide if he was brave or stupid. I'll leave for now, he said, but you'll be seeing me again. He looked at Tandry again with that soft, proprietary smile. But you and me, we'll catch up later. Looking forward to it. Fate. He left. Tandry released a slow breath. What was that all about? Asked Viv. He was a student at Acker's. He had an, Tandry searched for the words, an unhealthy obsession with me. When you took classes there for personal interests. Yes. Yes, he's working for the head of the local hoods too. Seems education didn't lead to better things. Oh, I'm not surprised at all, Tandry muttered darkly. We'll keep him out. The succubus crouched next to the dire cat. Or maybe Amity needs a snack. Are you hungry, girl? Amity purred like a rockfall. That evening, Tandry left long enough to collect some blankets and a big goose-down pillow. She and Viv put together a makeshift bed in the back corner of the shop for the dire cat. The next time Amity reappeared, she stalked over to the rumpled pile, patted it experimentally with one enormous forepaw, and then strolled away. But they left the bed. Thimble rapped on the front door as the two of them prepared to open. In his hands, he clutched a cloth-wrapped lump that trailed wisps of steam. Viv smelled something warm and yeasty and sweet, and thought she recognized cinnamon, too. He scuttled indoors. Tandry emerged from the pantry with a bag of beans and a carafe of milk, inhaling deeply. What is that wonderful smell? The ratkin glanced anxiously between them, then slid his wrapped bundle onto the countertop. Viv pointed at it. May I? Thimble nodded hesitantly. Carefully unfolding the cloth, Viv revealed a roll as big as her fist, almost too large to imagine eating. Soft bread wound in a spiral, with dark sugar and cinnamon nestled between the rings, and a thick, creamy glaze frosted the top and dripped down the sides. 
Pendry was right. The scent was unbelievably amazing. You made this, asked Viv, impressed. Did, whispered the ratkin, again with a little bobbing nod, his hands clasped before his flower-dusted apron. Viv and Tandry shared a glance, and then Viv delicately tore a piece from the enormous roll, sniffed deeply, and popped it into her mouth. She closed her eyes and made an involuntary noise of pleasure. It was easily the most delicious thing she'd had in, well, maybe ever. Good God, she murmured around the mouthful. Tandry, try it. Tandry peeled off a piece and obliged. As she chewed, Viv could feel some kind of atmospheric shift around Tandry, a sultry radiance, and her tail lashed back and forth in elegant loops. Viv and the ratkin watched her chew, rapt. When the succubus opened her eyes again, her irises were huge, cheeks flushed. She looked dreamily at the ratkin. You're hired. Her voice had gone husky. Then she startled and glanced at Viv. The aura dissipated. Wait, that is why he's here, isn't it? Viv turned to Thimble. How would you like to bake these here every day? He nodded and shifted from foot to foot as though he wanted to say something but couldn't find the words. Four silver a week, Viv prompted. She looked at Tandry to make sure there would be no objection. The succubus nodded, eyes big, and made a yes-yes get on with it flapping with her hands. Thimble nodded an affirmative. Then he stretched out his nose and for the first time uttered more than one word in his silky whisper. Free coffee. Viv offered a hand. Thimble, you can have all the coffee you want. Twelve. When Thimble reported for duty, he had a much-stained scrap of parchment in his paws. He bobbed his way into the shop and slid it onto the countertop, patting it gently. Tandry picked it up to scan. It was a list written in a crabbed and slanting script. Flour, soda, cinnamon, dark sugar, salt. These are ingredients, she said. The ratkin nodded earnestly, pointing at the parchment. And some supplies, Tandry added as she finished reading. Looks like some pans, bowls. Thimble scurried to investigate the area behind the countertop, then peered into the pantry as well, tapping his lip with one claw as he took inventory. He gestured for the paper, and Tandry returned it to him with an amused smile. Seizing a stylus from under the counter next to the cash box, he stood on tiptoe to add a few more items to the list before nodding decisively. If Thimble could communicate without speaking, that certainly appeared to be his preference. And this is what you'll need to make more of those rolls, the ones with cinnamon, asked Viv. Thimble affirmed in the expected way. Any idea where I can get all this? Viv asked Tandry. Not immediately, no. I'm sure I can find a baker, but... Thimble interrupted by pulling on Viv's sleeve and pointing to himself. I show. Oh, sure. Well, no time like the present, I guess. Tandry, you're fine with holding things down till we get back? Of course. The ratkin shifted from foot to foot and stared longingly at the coffee machine. Coffee first, he pleaded. Thimble took his time with his drink, clearly appreciating every sip in what had become his favorite booth. The morning rush was in full swing before he finished and carried his mug to the front, where he waited by the door until the last customer in line had ordered. Guess we'll be going, said Viv, drying her hands and joining him. 
Tandry gave her a distracted nod while frothing milk for a bleary-eyed gate warden. Just as they prepared to leave, Amity drifted across the threshold like a low-lying thunderhead, and Thimble froze without so much as a squeak. Oh, hells, hissed Viv, preparing to hoist the ratkin out of reach at the dire cat's slightest aggressive twitch. But Amity only blinked slowly, licked her nose, and then wandered past with marked disinterest. The beast's visits were so infrequent and unpredictable, Viv hadn't spared a moment's thought for how the cat might regard their baker. Or maybe Viv trusted the stone, and there'd never been a danger from the start. They left the shop, and Viv followed the ratkin as he scampered to the merchant district on the north side. It took the better part of the morning to gather everything Thimble needed, and Viv found herself thoroughly lost on several occasions. When they visited the mill, she bought flour from the same miller she'd rented the cart from. For a few bits extra, he threw in some empty sacks to carry the jumble of bundles, sealed jars, and pieces of crockery remaining on Thimble's list. The ratkin never hesitated, navigating unerringly through a warren of alleys and streets. They visited various shops, and several times he rapped on the door of a private residence. In one notable case, they visited a bespectacled old man whose house swam with a heady mix of exotic scents. Each time, Thimble tapped his list to request an item of the proprietor, then looked expectantly at Viv until she paid. List conquered, Viv limped awkwardly to the shop with two flower bags over one shoulder, bulging sacks clenched in a fist, and the rest tucked under the opposite arm. Her lower back was complaining again. Thimble marched before her, clutching an armload of wooden spoons. When they arrived, Viv sidled past Hemington and two other customers into the back and unburdened herself with a sigh of relief. Thimble immediately set to unpacking and arranging his prizes in the pantry, struggling gamely under the weight of the flour sacks, but declining any assistance with a sharp shake of his furry head. Viv shrugged and left him to it. Find everything? asked Tandry. Sure seems to be everything, Viv groaned, cracking her spine. Thimble popped up between them, shocking them both with his longest utterance yet. Enough to be getting on with. Then he returned to his parcels with gusto. After massaging away the worst of her back pain, Viv took over for Tandry as they served the latest round of customers. Behind the two of them, Thimble hummed tunefully to himself. A clatter of pans and bowls and wooden spoons was followed by much measuring and scraping and stirring. He quickly appropriated the small table they'd been using as a drying rack, clambered up on the footstool, and began kneading out his dough. A mist of flour drifted around him as he worked. While the dough rose, he approached with a nervous twitch of whiskers and whispered, Latte. Thimble, I'll keep a fresh cup in front of you all day if you want. His whole body wriggled with pleasure. Later, after all the customers were served, Viv and Tandry watched curiously as he resumed his work. He smoothed out the dough with his new pen, spread a thick cinnamon filling across in a glistening layer, then carefully rolled it into a long cylinder. He sliced it evenly, peeled apart the rolls, and deposited them neatly in a pan. While the dough rose a second time, he lit the stove, threw fistfuls of sugar into a bowl with butter and milk, and stirred vigorously to make a glaze. A pleasant yeast and sugar smell pervaded the shop. Once the rolls had risen to his satisfaction, he hopped down to slide them into the side box, then sat on the stool, steepled his fingers, and patiently waited. 
The scent that arose from the stove now was impossible to ignore. Good God, murmured Tandry. That smells amazing. I almost can't stand it. Viv was about to agree, but then looked up as she caught motion from the corner of her eye. A carpenter, if the shavings in his hair were anything to go by, swayed in the entryway, his expression foggy. He sniffed hugely, then blinked. He just stood there for a minute, glancing quizzically around the shop and at the menu. Help you? asked Viv. He opened his mouth, closed it, and took another deep lungful. I'll have whatever it is you have, he said. He took the coffee Tandry brewed, paid dreamily, drifted into the dining area, and sat. He absently sipped his drink while staring off into the distance. Tandry and Viv raised their eyebrows at each other. Eight hells, what is that smell? Asked a voice they both recognized. Laney approached the counter. Got a new baker, Viv cocked a thumb at Thimble. Still in the oven, eh? Well, miss, don't mind telling you that I'm relieved. Didn't want to speak ill of the coffee, but bacon is more liable to keep you afloat. And I pride myself on my bacon, so you can trust my judgment. She pressed a modest hand to her bosom. Viv kept her face carefully neutral, thinking of Laney's cake. Well, won't keep you, continued the old woman. But when you've some to sell, you set some aside for me here. I sure will. As Laney hobbled out of the shop, three customers entered behind her, and beyond them, Viv could see passers-by slowing and glancing around curiously as they entered the cloud of scent that was pouring out the door. It looked like the afternoon might not be so lean after all, and they hadn't sold a single roll yet. Viv and Tandry held a hurried conference. Viv thought they should charge two copper bits per roll, but Tandry laid a hand on her forearm, stared at her seriously, and said, Four bits, Viv. Four bits. They took down the menu slate. Tandry quickly added a new entry and, in economical strokes, an illustration of a pastry, complete with sinuous lines representing the incredible smell. Legends and lattes. Menu. Coffee. Exotic aroma and rich, full-bodied roast. One-half bit. Latte. A sophisticated and creamy variation. One bit. Cinnamon roll. Heavenly frosted cinnamon pastry. Four bits. Finer tastes for the working gent and lady. Four, Viv asked again, as she reseated the menu on the wall. Really? Trust me. Thimble hopped off his stool, took up a thick dish towel, cracked open the stove, and withdrew the rolls. They were enormous and golden and beautiful. The smell billowed out in a wave as he placed them on the stovetop and closed the door. Viv thought Tandry might have involuntarily moaned, and her own stomach growled noisily. The ratkin drizzled them with the thick, creamy icing that he'd kept to the side, sniffed experimentally, and nodded in satisfaction. Viv looked up to find Hemington staring with interest at the rolls. What an incredible smell, he said. Well, you said you wanted something to eat. You can be first in line. Ah, said Hemington, looking embarrassed. Well, you see... I have certain dietary restrictions. I don't exactly eat bread. Viv's brows drew low, and she leaned heavily on the counter. I'll just buy one, though, shall I? He said lamely. Thank you. Uh, indeed. At Thimble's nod of encouragement, Tandry transferred the warm rolls onto a platter one by one 
and reverently set them on the counter. As Hemington paid, Viv handed him a roll on a piece of waxed paper and leveled a glare at him. If you don't eat this, it's possible Tanri or I may have to kill you. The young man laughed, although the laugh became strangled when Viv didn't join in. He slunk back to his books with the roll balanced carefully on both palms. Anyone who'd been in the dining area was already in line, waiting their turn, and within thirty minutes, every last roll was gone. Tandry stared at the crumb-strewn plate, ran a finger through a dribble of glaze, licked it off, and looked bleakly at Viv. I didn't even get to have one, she said. I would have paid more than four bits. Well, you're in luck, said Viv. Seems like you'll get another chance. And I don't like to think what Laney will do with that broom if we don't remember to set one aside for her, too. Thimble was already busily mixing up a new batch, humming again, louder and happier than before. 13. With Thimble already elbow deep in his baking before dawn, and with Tandry strategically cracking the door ahead of time to let the smell creep into the street, the opening crowd was easily triple the prior days. Tandry and Viv brewed side by side, working both handles in a flustered but energized confusion, nearly tripping over one another to fill orders. Thimble's cinnamon rolls disappeared in minutes, but he had wisely already set more dough to rise while the first batch was in the oven. With the stove running full blast, the shop was hotter than usual and muggy from the steaming rolls. Both women sweated through their shirts within the hour. The chatter of the crowd, Thimble's clatter, and the hiss and rumble of the gnomish coffee machine filled the air with a dizzying madness. As the morning crept toward noon, the crowd slackened but never lapsed for more than ten minutes. The dining area sang with a lively clamor, and the rumble of conversation pervaded. Customers dallied longer, enjoying their baked goods and sipping their drinks without hurrying, and for the first time, more sat at the big communal table than sought the relative solitude of a booth. Viv leaned on the counter, studying their faces, and saw at last what she'd been too nervous to hope for. She found it in half-lidded eyes and a slow, deliberate swallow in cupped hands around the warmth of a mug and the lingering enjoyment of the last taste. It was the echo of her own experience, and a pleasant flush of recognition washed over her. You haven't stopped smiling in an hour, said Tandry, startling Viv out of wool gathering during a brief lull. I haven't? Nope. They were both red-faced and too warm, but Viv couldn't help but notice how much more relaxed Tandry seemed today. Viv liked it. Just feels like everything lined up. I had the same feeling a few times before, like when I found black blood. Viv tipped her head toward the blade on the wall. She just felt at home in my hands, and when I went to use her, well, realizing where that story went, she stopped short. Anyway, this feels right. It does. Still some kinks to work out, though. I think you can rest on your laurels for a day or two, said Tandry with a wry smile. I don't know, we might boil to death in the meantime. Thimble appeared between them, and they looked down. He glanced up at Viv and tugged at the hem of her shirt, pointed at the oven, then spread his arms wide. I, sorry, I don't know what you mean, Thimble. His nose wriggled, and he whispered, Bigger, would be better, bigger. The rolls? They're already as big as my head. He shook his head. 
stove, stove. Then he quailed. Sorry, sorry. Viv glanced over at the oven Cal had installed. Thimble had worked nonstop, and the rolls sold out almost as soon as they cooled. Perhaps demand would taper off a little, but she could certainly see how the pace might run the poor ratkin ragged. A bigger stove would make it easier to stay on top of things. I'd like to, Thimble, but I don't know how we could fit it in. It's already getting pretty tight back here. Thimble looked downcast for a moment, but he nodded in reluctant agreement. If only they could keep longer, mused Tandry aloud. If they didn't have to be fresh, then we could hold them in reserve and take some of the pressure off. The ratkin stared at her, tapped his lower lip thoughtfully with a claw, and blinked a few times. He slowly meandered back to his dough, rolling out a fresh sheet. But Viv noticed that he paused every once in a while to stare into the distance. When Cal dropped by for the first time in days, Viv immediately handed him a cinnamon roll. He examined it curiously, then took a modest bite. His response was entirely predictable. Hmm. But it was the good sort of hmm. He nodded at the busy dining area while he chewed and swallowed. Looks as though things are ticking right along. And this, he looked at the roll appreciatively, this is mighty fine. Told you that stove might show itself worthy. Don't suppose I could have one of those lattes to go with. He examined the menu and slid six bits onto the countertop. Viv slid them right back. You keep those, and I've got some more for you if you can think of something to do about the heat in here. It's hot as the eight hells when the stove is going. He chewed another bite, closing his eyes with a pleased sigh. Well, I may have a thought, but might need a piece of time to see if it'll work. Something I saw in a gnomish pleasure craft. Very clever. Viv was intrigued. Some kind of window? Nope, not a window, he said. Don't want to get your hopes up if it ain't workable. You give me a day or two, I'll see what I can see. Try not to burn the place down between now and then. He favored her with one of his thin, but genuine smiles. Then he took his drink and his roll and ambled into the dining area. Later in the day, business held steady, with customers trickling in and out often enough to keep them occupied, but not harried. As Viv dried her hands for what must have been the eighth time after washing mugs in the basin, a big fellow with the look of a farmhand entered the shop. Viv was perplexed to see some kind of loot tucked under one arm. Thick sheaves of yellow hair kept falling over his eyes, and his hands were as enormous and rough as her own, which seemed odd for a musician. Help you? she asked. Uh, hello there. I wanted to ask if I, wait, um, uh, hello, he stammered, starting over. My name is Pendry, I'm a, his voice dropped very low, almost to a whisper. A bard? It sounded more like a question. Congratulations, replied Viv in an amused tone. I was, was wondering if I could maybe, maybe entertain in here, I mean. Viv was taken aback. I hadn't really thought about anything like that before, she admitted. Oh, oh, well, um, that's, that's fine. He nodded hugely, his hair flopping against his cheeks. She couldn't be sure, but she thought he might be relieved. Are you any good? Asked Tandry, coming around the counter and crossing her arms. I, uh, well, I. 
Viv snorted and nudged Tandry gently in the ribs. Tell you what, said Viv, thinking of the scalvert stone and that feeling of snapping closed she'd experienced, everything slotting into place. Why don't you go ahead? You're not asking for anything but permission, right? Pendry looked a bit sick to his stomach. Yes, I mean, no, I mean, okay. Then he just stood there. Tandry made a shooing motion. Go ahead then. Her expression was severe, but Viv could tell she was trying not to smile. The farmhand, or bard, or whatever he was, shuffled into the other room and looked around with barely suppressed horror on his face. He made his way to the back, head down, and turned slowly around. Nobody paid him much attention, and he simply stood there for a few minutes, strangling his lute, fidgeting with the tuning pegs, and murmuring under his breath. Viv was pretty sure he was arguing with himself, and she peered curiously around the corner at him. The lute was odd. She'd never seen one like it before. There didn't seem to be an opening on the front for resonance. Instead, there was a slab of some sort of slate-like stone underneath the strings, with silver pins embedded in it. She almost thought he'd fold under his anxiety and slink back out of the shop, but he took a deep breath and began to strum. The noise that emerged was unlike anything she'd expected, and all conversation cut short. There was a raw, wailing edge to the notes, much louder than any lute Viv had ever heard before. She flinched and saw others do the same as Penry began playing in earnest. The sound the man produced wasn't unmusical, but there was something almost savage about it. She wondered if maybe her trust in the Scalvert Stone to draw what she needed here might have been a bit too blind, because if this was its doing... Viv glanced at the patrons, who looked uncomfortable. A few rose as though they were preparing to leave. She started to approach the young man, who, for a wonder, looked fully relaxed at this point, lost in the music. As she drew near, his eyes fluttered open, and he saw her. He glanced around the room and absorbed the shocked expressions of the people there, and abruptly stopped playing. Pendry? Viv held up a hand. Oh, God, he moaned, clearly mortified and he fled the shop, his lute held before him like a shield. Viv felt sorry for the kid, but the afternoon rush put him out of her mind. Demand for baked goods tapered off enough that Thimble could rest, and eventually Viv sent the poor Ratkin home. He was knackered, and Viv got the impression that if she didn't cut him off, he'd work himself into unconsciousness. As she returned from clearing tables, she found Tandry standing by the front window. It's not Kellen again, is it? Hmm? No, nothing like that. What then? That old man. Viv leaned out the door to look. Seated at one of their tables was an elderly gnome wearing a curious bent cap like a small sack and dark spectacles. Before him was a mug, a cinnamon roll, and a chessboard with little ivory pieces on it. Nobody was seated across from him. Curled around the base of the table, however, was Amity, purring in a contented rumble. The huge cat remained an infrequent visitor and shunned the bed of blankets they'd made, so it was a surprise to see her in repose. Huh, Amity seems to like him, Viv shrugged. I must be missing something, though. He's been there for an hour. He came in a little after our would-be bard. And? I can't figure out who's moving the other pieces. He's playing by himself? Dandry nodded but he never seems to move for the other side. Or at least, I've never caught him doing it. You managed to track that out of the corner of your eye. 
I mean, at first I didn't pay any attention, but now I can't help but keep glancing over. Well, said Viv, we've had Hell's own bard here today. Why not a chess-playing phantom? I'll catch him doing it sometime, Tandry said, nodding decisively. Then two gate wardens crowded through the door to buy out the rest of the rolls. They promptly forgot about the gnome. 14. Thimble appeared before they opened the doors, another list clutched in his paws. It wasn't particularly long. Currants, walnuts, oranges, cardamom? Viv asked with a puzzled expression. Thimble nodded ardently. I don't even know what that last one is, and the rolls are already perfect. The ratkin wrung his hands and looked aggrieved. Trust, he whispered. Viv held in a sigh. All right, I'll take care of it. Tanri, you're fine while I gather whatever this is. If it means Thimble bakes more things, then I'll do almost anything you need, said Tandry. Thimble beamed. The morning was chill and damp as Viv headed back to the market district, doing her best to remember which shops Thimble visited during their first excursion. The currants, walnuts, and oranges didn't give her too much trouble, even if the oranges were a little rare this time of year. Viv asked about the last curious item at each stop, but the shopkeepers were as bewildered as she. She eventually retraced Thimble's steps to the elderly gentleman with the fragrant house. After a few wrong turns, Viv located the place and rapped on the door. After some shuffling and muttering, the old man cracked at an inch and glared at her suspiciously. Ah, uh, you might remember me, she said. I was here with, um... She held a hand at Thimble's approximate height. Little guy. Anyway, I'm looking for cardamom? <clears throat> Running errands for Thimble, eh? He opened the door a little wider. Guess so. I have to say he's one hell of a baker. The old man glowered up at her through his spectacles. Lad's a genius. Then he snatched the parchment from her hand and shuffled into the shadows of his house. Such a dense array of scents filtered out his door, it made Viv dizzy. Individually, they might have been pleasant, but taken all together, they were too much. She didn't know how the old man could abide it. After some distant muttering, some clatters and bumps, and a few sharp expletives, the old man returned with a brown paper packet. He thrust it at her, along with a list. Two silver, four bits, he said. That much. Somebody else offering you a better price? His grin was wide and not entirely pleasant. Hmm. Viv dug through her coin purse and paid the man. The door snapped shut in her face. Thimble received the groceries with a pleased squeak, carefully arranged them in the pantry, and returned to the rolls he had in progress. Business was at least as heavy as the day before and Tandry flashed a grateful smile as Viv joined her behind the counter to help manage the rush. Viv couldn't help her disappointment that Thimble didn't seem to have an immediate use for the fruits of her shopping, but the morning press soon chased it from her mind. Only later, when the demand for rolls was more manageable, did Thimble retrieve the items from the back. Tandry gently elbowed Viv. I am unbelievably excited to find out what he's going to do. The old man I bought the cardamom from said Thimble's a genius, murmured Viv. I don't think I needed some old man to tell me that, Tandry replied with a chuckle. I'd say that's fair. 
The ratkin set to measuring and stirring and produced a thick, glutinous dough to which he added chopped walnuts and currants. He then grated the skin of the oranges over the bowl. The cardamom, it turned out, were small, wizened-looking seeds. He diced them incredibly fine, crushed them with the flat of his knife blade, delicately scraped some of the dust into the dough, and set the remainder aside in a twist of waxed paper. Tandry and Viv grudgingly took turns making drinks for customers as Thimble kneaded and formed long, flat logs. He laid them out on two pans, sprinkled them with fistfuls of sugar, and popped them into the oven. Then he tidied things away, humming all the while in his delicate, tuneful way. The smell was promising, nutty and sweet and subtle. It put Viv in mind of winter solstice celebrations. When he eventually withdrew the flat loaves from the oven, she and Tandry loomed close, but he shooed them away. Slicing them, he arranged rows on pans and returned them to the oven. Twice, asked Viv. He nodded vehemently. When he judged them done and set them out to cool, Viv studied them doubtfully. They smelled nice, but resembled sad little slices of bread that hadn't risen. Thimble insisted they wait until the pastries cooled, and then, with nervous ceremony, he handed one to each of them. Viv wrinkled her brow as she examined hers. It was hard, like incredibly stale bread. The old man had extolled Thimble's brilliance, and it was difficult to argue with the success of the cinnamon rolls, but she shared a slightly worried look with Tandry. As they went to take bites, he waved anxious paws at them and urgently whispered, With drink? Tandry dutifully brewed two lattes. They took experimental nibbles. And those hard little slices were good. They crumbled nicely, and the nuts and fruit were elevated by an exotic, creamy sweetness that had to be the cardamom. Maybe not as good as the cinnamon rolls, but pleasing. The ratkin made an urgent dipping motion. Viv shrugged. She dunked one end into her latte and took another bite. Her eyes went wide. She chewed, swallowed, and allowed herself a moment to appreciate this subtle, elegant commingling of flavors. Oh, hell's thimble, that old man was right. You are a genius. The real genius, however, wasn't apparent to her until Tandry pointed it out. These will keep, won't they? Overnight, maybe for several days. He nodded and beamed at them both. We're going to need something to store these in. And Tandry, I think we're going to need to update the menu again. What do we even call these, though? I think I might have an idea, Tandry replied. With a smile tugging at her lips, she retrieved her chalk from under the counter. Legends and lattes. Menu. Coffee. Exotic aroma and rich, full-bodied roast. One half bit. Latte. A sophisticated and creamy variation. One bit. Cinnamon roll. Heavenly frosted cinnamon pastry. Four bits. Thimblets. Crunchy nut and fruit delicacies. Two bits. Finer tastes for the working gent and lady. The following morning, the thimblets didn't start as strong sellers, but in the occasional absence of rolls, diners took a chance on them. As the day progressed, they were sometimes even a first choice. Every so often, Viv found herself absently munching one and humming to herself. The kitchen seemed to grow more sweltering each day, and Viv and Tandry were both anxious for Cal's return. When he eventually appeared, the hob produced a big folded sheet of parchment which he spread out on the countertop in front of them. It contained a few separate sketches with some measurements, 
but Viv had no idea what she was looking at. So, this is our solution to the heat problem back here. Hmm, it's an auto-circulator. Like I said, saw one on a gnomish pleasure craft. Would take me a few hours to fix it in place, maybe even a whole day. Have to cut into the stovepipe a bit, and we'll need the ladder to hang it up there. Probably need a hand from you. Heavy, he pointed at the ceiling. I'm happy to close for a day if it means we don't feel like we're in the oven back here. Henry blew out a breath of agreement. Ain't cheap, though, said the hob, looking apologetic. He tapped the diagram. These I have to get from a gnomish artificer, and they come dear. How much are we talking? Three sovereigns. Huh. That's only two months of telling the madrigal to take a swim. Cowell's glare was severe. Only joking, said Viv mildly, although she wasn't sure she was. But yeah, let's do it. She dug out four sovereigns and handed them over. And for your time. No, don't hand one back. Hmm. End of the week work for you. Perfect. When Cal returned at the appointed time, Viv already had a sign out front. Closed, today only, for renovation. She'd already seen several morning regulars reading it with various expressions of disappointment. An irrational fear that they'd never return again seized her, but she squashed it as best she could. The hob pushed a handcart loaded with a big brass-barreled mechanism, multiple large wing-like blades, a smaller fan like a windmill, and a long leather band of some sort, resembling an enormous stropping belt. Viv stared at the confusion of parts with hands on hips. Huh. I had no idea how this was going to work from the drawings, and now I'm even more confused. Oh, it's clever, said Cal, grunting as he maneuvered the handcart through the doors Viv held open. Trust a gnome to surprise you. First, Cal removed a section of the stovepipe, cutting it in half and installing the small windmill-like fan into a clever housing with a set of interlocking gears on the spindle. Viv helped him position and reaffix it into the primary stovepipe. Viv retrieved the old ladder from the back alley and leaned it up against the wall. With some careful maneuvering, Cal ascended, and she stepped up behind him, hauling the brass mechanism. She managed to hold it in place against the ceiling with one hand, even her muscles straining at the awkward position and the weight held high above her head. Cal installed it quickly with some gnomish screws, and Viv tugged on it to make sure it wasn't going to come down on their heads. Viv ended up holding Cal above her so he could slot the big wing-like blades into four arms that radiated from the barrel, making it resemble a much larger version of the contraption in the stovepipe. Then they strung the enormous leather belt around the spindle of the brass barrel and across to the exposed wheel housing in the stovepipe. Well, said Viv, I still don't know how this works, but stone me if I don't want to see it in action. Cal chuckled wryly and tossed some wood into the stove before setting it alight. At first, nothing much happened, but as the heat built and the hot air rose, the belt began to move, very slowly at first. It never achieved a particularly high speed, but the big fan on the ceiling began to stir the air in a steady, cooling breeze. I'll be damned, said Viv. Hmm, said Cal. Maybe. Least you won't burn alive till you get to the hell, though. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. 
Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can buy Legends and Lattes wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Thank you.